uh, the Bucks against the Patriots. And actually, to help us out right now, Matt Chatham is here, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, current Nesson uh, Patriots and, and NFL analyst and uh, an insider. He can sort of break the code on all this stuff that's out there about Brady and, and the Patriots and, and the Bucks and all this big game. Matt, welcome. How are you today, sir? Wonderful. Happy to be at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And probably because it's this week and there's all this stuff out there, uh, that, that, and you have the code. You know exactly what it all means. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me about my life. So, so you would, you would understand what's being said and how true or, or untrue it is. It, it might be a little frustrating for you, is it? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's part of what, you know, we've anticipated this week since the schedule came out. Sort of knew it was going to happen. Um, you know, oddly, when you work in the market and know all the, all the principles that are being argued about, you know, most of this stuff was all like extensively sort of researched. All the journalism was done on it, you know, like April of 2020. So we, you sort of knew that, oh gosh, it's a year and a half later. We're literally just going to be regurgitating everything that's already been decided. And, uh, you know, Tom and, and, and Bill and then Mr. Kraft just have to put on a good face and say, hey, we covered this. A few surprises for each of us. We all went our separate ways. It all worked out well for everyone. So, you know, I, I guess people are trying to sell books now and segments and all those kinds of things. So there's a, there's a sense that just drumming up tension was somehow going to sell this game better, I guess, which makes very little football sense to me because I think this is, at least from on the field portion, you, you don't need it. It's not as if there's not a ton of interest in this thing already. But there is that, I think you'd understand, there is that curiosity that because of the people involved, because of the ownership, the coach, the quarterback, and, and all the other players you included, uh, this thing worked so well for so long that people wanted to want a little piece of it, figure out how the heck it worked. I mean, how would you explain that to anybody? Well, I think one of the things you can't get lost in all of it, and it's, I have to kind of remind myself, you know, obviously I'm doing TV down here in Nesson regularly, and we have to always say, you know, when we venture down this road of why did it not work or, you know, why is it not continuing to go on? You got to remember that by virtue of doing it 20 years, you're many, many years beyond how long any coach, uh, coach owner player tandem had ever gone. So you're already way past it. So the question of why didn't it continue on, I think requires context. Like they already went way past anything else. And, and in fairness, coach Belichick is probably one of the most difficult coaches out there to play for, but it's exceptionally rewarding. So I think as much as anything, rather than trying to figure out, oh, why didn't it continue into perpetuity, the real question is how, how amazing it is for Tom to be able to find that perfect match and go that long. But I've heard a lot of his other friends say similar stuff. Rodney Harrison was talking about the other day, uh, Teddy Bruschi. A lot, a lot of the guys from a similar era are like, okay, um, you, you do get to a certain age, and 20 years is a long time in football. Oh, yeah. And you have, that little, you have that little curiosity, that little peaked interest about, you know, maybe I'll try something different, just a refresher at that stage. Shoot, I, I wanted that stage at, like, year nine. Like, I can't even, I can't even <laughs> fathom what's going through someone's head at 20. Like, it's just it's very normal, and it doesn't speak to some sort of dysfunction at all. I think it's just a, a remarkable, I mean, all of it is remarkable, but the, the, I guess the final chapter, if you want to call this the final chapter, is, is unheard of that, you know, the quarterback moves on, has still, uh, you know, gas left in the tank, wins another Super Bowl, talking about winning, uh, you know, repeating, uh, has life after that, and, and the head coach is still there and, and revered and respected as he always was, and, and the legacy is, is going to be untouched. I mean, these are remarkable things. Yeah, and then to have them all on the field at once, it's just bizarre. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool deal. Uh, and, you know, I just hope that rather than trying to sort of assess 
the credit and blame and all those kinds of things. It's more just about enjoying, you know, and I know that's not realistic in normal media, but <laughs> in my job, but I, I think generally speaking, we are going to see a pretty cool thing here. I mean, he really didn't, uh, there's nothing comparable really in any of the sports. It's not as if, uh, you know, Jordan had a sim- similar, similar situation to this or, uh, you know, go, go into any other, you know, it's, it's just really crazy that a guy has had this kind of longevity in a sport that just, you know, works against longevity and a coach that this bill is now the, the longest tenured coach of any kind. We're not even talking assistants or anything like that in the entirety of the NFL. It's wild. He's been doing this coaching thing at the highest level for, you know, longer than all of us have been alive. So it's, it's, it's insanity that not just that they're still kicking, <laughs> but they're still by and large at the top of the game. I mean, Brady, where he's at, and Bill in the middle of a rebuild. So it's, it's wild, but it's kind of cool to watch if you can just put the soap opera stuff uh, that I think is mostly phony away for a bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but it is kind of human nature. People want to know oh, yeah. uh, where where the credit goes, but, but quite frankly, and you could tell us if I'm wrong, I think it goes to everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the wild thing. I mean, we have obviously gotten to beat that topic up for, for the last couple of years, but one of the things that I would say is it's a totally natural thing to wonder it, and it's something that I think you can actually get to the bottom of in a game like basketball, you know, only five guys on the floor, uh, fewer variables. And, I mean, again, even then it's not quite straight line because there are other support elements, but it's closer there. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, golf, you know, greatest golf player and his longtime swing coach or something like that, like, or, you know, greatest tennis player and his tennis coach or something, but, like, any of those scenarios where there are fewer variables, you can make an argument that, oh, in the absence of that particular singular person, does this go the same way? But because this was football, to me, the question was unanswerable, never could make sense because there's just so much other stuff going on. Tom can be the greatest quarterback ever, and he is, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he wasn't also benefited by being paired with the greatest coach ever because just in football, you're only on the field for, you know, 40-ish percent of the plays as a quarterback. So there clearly was something else going on. So that's just – it's really – uh, sort of a universal thing. It goes back and forth between the two guys. They're they're both very fortunate to have been together, and you know all of us that play with them are fortunate as well. I'd like your take on a couple of things, and these are you know specific references. So when you're a linebacker in the Patriots, and, and you're you know, obviously defense, and you're you're on the sideline, and you're watching that offense work, how would you describe what we were seeing? Because it was just, I mean, I, I don't, I'm always stunned that you could have, and we still have guys do this with 37 seconds left. That was Aaron Rodgers last week. Um, right. the look on their face. You look at him, and you go, this guy knows what to do. He's going to win this game, and that was Brady all the time. Yeah, it was it was so great to be a part of those teams and have you know Tom was young man obviously this is I was with him for his first six years of his career so I was in the phase where he was kicking butt but new to it right and now the guys that get to do what you just described are are sitting alongside someone who's just like has multiple doctorates <laughs> it's not just the guy who's doing it well he's doing it well and has seen it all many many times over and I, I just think that's kind of wild because you know I, I have an even additional perspective because those few years I was down in New York. You know, we're captain there, sitting in on captain's meetings and trying to talk game planning for the week and figure out how we're going to do this and having a little institutional knowledge of the other place, but then going back and saying, okay, I can certainly tell you what it was like as a player in practice going against Tom, but in fairness to him, we were given a scout team card, so I knew what the play was going to be. <laughs> you know, so we could we could screw with them a little bit and try to pick them off and try to make life more difficult because we knew if you make more difficult practice, it'll always be easier once you get to the game. But then once you don't have that information and Tommy can kind of pick you apart, 
I mean, I know, you know, those games that we played them with the Jets when I was down there, it's just you, you get to see the other side of it, what other people see. It's just that you can't stand in your coverage. You can't stand in your front. you got to move around. you got to be variable. If you let him sort of know the answers of the test, he's just, he's just done it too many damn times, and he's still physically able to get it to where it needs to go. Let's talk about the coach here. I mean, such a mystery. I, mean, I, th- I think of Scotty Bowman in hockey, a guy who achieves so much, and you're trying to figure out, because people lead all over the world. They're looking for little leadership tips, and, and this guy in his press conference is focused. He's just not He's not going to fear off. But I, I don't know that that's the real guy. I mean, could you describe the real guy? I mean, there are obviously more personable differences and, you know, I guess greater depths to his personality that you get to see when, when you're just working with him. Um, and Bill is, is an awesome coach. I mean, I think the, the, the first and foremost thing that most players will say is just how impressive he is as a teacher. And, you know, you're not really doing that from the podium when you're, when you're answering media questions for the week. Uh, but the way we know him most is just sort of like, you know, your eyes get big. Like, good Lord, he knows everything I'm supposed to do and he knows the other 10 positions as well. So, you know, and it's just, you know, not as if he was some, uh, you know, great professional athlete. It's not as if he's really had firsthand um, experience with any of the things he's telling you, but just he's so well studied and he just has such a knack for it and a great eye um, that you, you come to respect that, you know, you're, you're doing your own study for your own position and that he, he'll jump in with a couple of things that a, you may have seen, but that's a big credit to him because he's got to watch so many different other people's spots or B that you didn't catch and go, Oh, you know, wait, wait a minute. Okay. I see how he's seeing that now. And that could be actually helpful. So I just think he's one of the greatest ever as far as just having a grasp of all aspects and being able to boil it down in a short amount of time to the stuff that'll matter for the weekend. And that's, that's kind of the cool part, but he's very business only, but you know, every once in a while, you know, Super Bowl parties and, down times and off weeks and, you know, post-practice and stuff, you get to see his personality. But, I mean, that's not why you're there ultimately, but it's not as if, you know, everything Bill Belichick is what you see from a podium. We, we all know that's not the case. I, I, I keep referencing Scotty Bowman because I think they're somewhat similar in, in, in their mindset. I mean, yeah. these guys have two brains. There's the big picture and the small picture. You detail the small picture. He knows what every moving part is supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be doing it and what the correction is. And then he's got the big picture there, too, doesn't he? Yeah, and I, I think even you know being able to understand the minutia but then also understand sort of the final product is a big deal. But I think I also become more aware of this just because, you know, working in media now, every single game people are, you know, often analysts are often required or asked to come up with keys to the game. And, like, literally you can put up on the board you know, a game this weekend that every market's got a guy writing on what that might be, <laughs> and analysts and former players and others who weren't former players, whatever it may be. But it's amazing sort of the litany of different things you'll hear, and those aren't necessarily the ones will actually affect it the most. And Bill's biggest gift is usually being able to pick the right one, <laughs> boil it down to the things yeah. that will matter. Anyone can come up with, uh, you know, hold them to X amount of rushing yards or hold them to this, that, or the other. I mean, but his whole skill is in building these game plans is like figuring out exactly what it really was. Like, because you could write down 20 things. Anyone could write down 20, but what are the right three or four? And that's, that's kind of what he was always so good at. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you win every week because you still have to be able to execute it, but he's a great teacher in that as well and get up the right players. And There are other factors, but I just think his eye and his, his sort of instinct over time has, has become, again, doctor at doctor level. Well, get out the crystal ball. Uh, so, what, how do you think this is going to play out? Because there's just so much anticipation. The tickets, are, ticket prices are, are through the roof. How do you see the game happening? 
Well, uh, we're all kind of carefully watching injury reports here, and I think it matters really for both sides. You know, Rob Gronkowski not being available potentially would be a, a pretty significant change to how they've been doing things more recently. Uh, it's same with the Patriots. Trent Brown, their right tackle, you know, one of the biggest players in the NFL and an absolute body mover when he's in there. Missed a couple weeks with his calf, and it was the calf that was uh, problematic for him all year last year with the Raiders. So he comes back with something that you know nobody here wants to see him miss any more time with, but gosh, this would be the game you know, kind of thing. So he's in sort of an up-down mode, and they because the Patriots have had some issues with offensive line play uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, in, in, in at a position that was reportedly going to be their strength, it sort of throws them into a bit of tailspin of where I think they thought they'd be. And then you look on the other side of the Bucks. I mean, how'd they win that Super Bowl? Brady just lights them up for three or four of the first drives to start the game. And then the defense just absolutely locks things down. But the Bucks are still scoring 34-ish a game right now, but they ain't locking anyone down. So they're finding themselves in a different style than a year ago. So I would just imagine, you know, it's obviously the Bucks are a heavy favorite here. But if the Patriots were able to have that healthy offensive line, which is a big if because Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle, popped up on the injury report as well. So both tackles are kind of question marks. So it could go one of two dramatic ways. So the Patriots were able to sort of control tempo and clock and all those kinds of things and run the heck out of the football and keep it out of Tommy's hands and defend really well like we know they, they generally do and can then it's a wide-open game to me. But if you can't and you're going three and outs and you're giving it back to Tom and he's so incredibly comfortable in that particular environment, um, you know, it's it's just it's a tough mountain to climb. It might just be wrong team, right time. I think the Patriots, you know, more time with this rookie quarterback two months from now and maybe that offensive line healthier, then maybe they can, they can put up a, a better fight. It just seems like a bit of an uphill battle this quickly. Yeah, I almost feel bad for Mac Jones. I mean, he's going to be subjected to some stuff he probably hasn't been subjected to before. What do you think of that? Yeah, thrown right into the fire, right? I mean, he's been here for a month, and he's like, good Lord, is it always like this? You know, (laughs) that's that's that job. It's a very hot spot, and uh, I think he's really the perfect temperament, though, to to handle it. Um, You know, he's not going to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, he's had a lot of pressure on him, more specifically last week than the other two. And that's not something I think you came in, you know, expecting. He was someone who, you know, is just so seasoned, uh, at least as you can be coming out of college. He's so smooth. He's so patient. He's always going to take the right play. Um, you know, last week with all the extra pressure, it seemed to be sometimes not doing that. And that's, you know, one the one thing that's always been sort of said about him, and we saw at least through camp, is when there was a bad outing or worse, some negative stuff, he's, he's pretty good about not going in the tank. And that's kind of a quality you want early on. You know, we saw the, the crazy game that Justin Fields had out in Chicago, and Trevor Lawrence has had some knockaround games here so far. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy as a rookie because usually you're in a bad situation, but the Patriots one was supposed to be pretty solid. The defense looked excellent. O-line was supposed to be all put together. The, the back group was great. But you've got James White, who's unfortunately now lost the season, so you take away a weapon, and both your tackles are in a, in a, in a different place right now. So, that throws in new variables, which can be scary for a rookie, especially when you get, you know, going against the caliber of team he's now going against. So they throw you right into the fire, but that's just, just what this league's all about. Uh, to to those who much is given, much is expected, that whole thing. Matt, just before we let you go, uh, you know, obviously KC is, is the team to beat, but they, they, they don't have a great start. They're one and two. You've got Vegas and Denver three and one, and, and the Chargers two and one ahead of them in their own division. And then, of course, our concern here is the Buffalo Bills have looked very good the last couple of weeks. Who gets in the Chiefs' way, or is it actually KC themselves? 
Yeah, it's yeah. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that often gets forgotten with Kansas City. It's easy. I understand how we we sell the game and the parts we consume the most. But they won their championships when they really defended well, and they got close but never close enough when they didn't. And that's who the Chiefs are when they're a championship caliber team. The one that's right now is trying to hold on for dear life, not turn the football over and score as many points as they possibly can. That's not generally championship team makeup. And I think they know that, obviously. So, you know, they they really made their jump between the year they lost it and the year they came back and won it when they defended better, more consistently, um, you know, to start to finish. And, uh, you know, using a team like Buffalo as an example, I mean, it's cool to talk about Josh Allen. He's absolutely scintillating, and they've got a lot of different places for him to go with the ball. But if they don't play great defense, they're out of the conversation too. And that's just, uh, you know, I think that's how the league is. So, you know, I, I think the more complete teams are going to be there at the end, and, uh, Buffalo has put on a show thus far, but man, they showed a chink in the armor too with that, that weird loss to Pittsburgh, who's turned out to be not very good. So maybe it's just week one weirdness in the NFL, and that's probably more likely what it is. But uh, I just think, as much as anything, it underscores that we're not really in a league here where we have you know one or two or even three teams way out in front of everyone. Even the Bucks last week, ten point, not close. You know, losers on the road to the Rams, and are we willing to say the Rams are now the class of the league? I don't know. It just seems like more of a week to week thing. So I guess we'll see. And now we get a longer season to figure it out. So they haven't even another other game here to play around with. If you have a bad one, Matt, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Enjoy the weekend.